Welcome to Fashion in Conversation at the Apple Store at Regent Street in London. Would you please welcome our host this evening, Kinvara Balfour. Okay, I'm going to start now. Thank you all so much for coming. I'm very, very excited to be interviewing our guest today. Before we welcome her on stage, we're going to take a look at some of her work. So if we can play the video, thank you. And dozy dots and little lambsy divey, a kiddly divey too, wouldn't you? Yes, mercy dots and dozy dots and little lambsy divey, a kiddly divey too, wouldn't you? If the words sound queer and funny to your ear, a little bit jumbled and jivey, sing mercy dots and dozy dots and little lambsy divey. Oh, Mersey dots and dozy dots and little lambsy divey, a kiddly divey too, wouldn't you? A kiddly divey too, wouldn't you? Gentlemen, please welcome to the stage amazing British shoe designer Charlotte Olympia Delal. Welcome. Come and sit down. That's your microphone. Get comfortable. Thank you. I'm so excited. I know you've been incredibly busy. You've just come back from Paris. We're very honoured to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's um, been on my list for a while to speak to you. Um, congratulations on everything. Looking at that, it just makes me want to just live in your world. Um, and just by wearing your shoes, I feel that I half live in your world. It looks like an incredible world to be in. Before we talk about where you're at now, I just want to talk about how you'd started, because you've built this incredible brand, um, which very few people have done to the extent that you've done, and in such a short time. So I wanted to ask you, where did you start? I know you went to Cordwainers. Just tell us a little bit about when you were a student. It started before I was a student, actually, I think. Um, I always wanted to be in fashion, I had a mother who was a model, so I used to, on occasion, go to shows, and I loved the energy and the excitement backstage. I think I loved that more than watching the show itself. So from a young age, I really wanted to be in that world. And um, I think um, even as a young girl watching old movies with my mother, it was the silver screen that I kind of fell in love with, I think. So initially, when I thought I wanted to be an actress, I actually think I wanted to be a movie star, and that was more for the glamour. It wasn't about being an actress. It was about being one of those women from the 40s on screen wearing beautiful clothes. So I think glamour got me into fashion initially. Um, and that was from a young age. So I'm one of those people who, from when I was maybe nine or 10, wanted to be a fashion designer or knew what I wanted to be. Um, and I kind of went to school knowing that. I did design A-level focusing on fashion. I then went to London College of Fashion to um, 
specialize in something. Initially, I thought I wanted to be a ready ready to wear designer. Did you enjoy Did you enjoy the London College of Fashion? Was it Was it Was it felt like a home? I did. Or was well, it incredibly hard? No, I I really enjoyed it. Actually, um, it made me realize um, that I wanted to be a shoe designer. I didn't know that initially. It was ready to wear, or in my head at the time, actually, it was about a whole look. I always thought of designing looks rather than just one thing so for me fashion was about designing a total look and one of my tutors noticed that every time I designed a dress I would design a hat um, shoes gloves or a bag to go with every single outfit so it was I guess I was accessories focused early on and then I went to Cordwainers um, made my first shoe and that's when I really realized I wanted to do shoe design what I'd did it look like the first shoe it was as high as I could possibly make it. I mean, it was limited at the time because you have to rummage through the boxes of heels. Um, but it was the highest heel that I could find in Cordwainers, which is definitely not high to my standards now. And what color was it? What did it look like? Um, leopard. I, I, it wasn't leopard, actually. I like to say that it was leopard. I think it was black, which is quite weird for me because I normally design in color and then black always comes afterwards. But it was heavily accessorized with charms, which is another thing that I continue doing, I think I like to accessorize my accessories, so to speak. Right. Okay, so when you graduated from Cordwainers, yeah. um, what's the jump for you to go from that to actually setting up a label and producing shoes that people are actually going to buy? Um, I always wanted to be a fashion designer, but I always wanted to have my own brand. Again, I guess from a young age, not necessarily from when I was 10, but um, quite early on, I enjoyed all aspects of, you know, developing a brand from having a logo to imagining what the packaging would be like, what the bags would be like, what my shop would be like. Um, so I think all along I kind of dreamt of building a brand rather than just being a fashion designer, which is why I think straight out of Cordwainers I decided to set up my own brand rather than work for someone else. Um, so that was. I was going to say, who, who's, wh where did you intern? Whose expense forms did you fill? I, who did you make coffee for? I interned. Um, the, my first internship actually was at the fashion desk, at the Telegraph with Hilary Alexander. Um, Goodness, okay, that's fun. Yeah, <laughs> and even though I knew I wanted to be a designer, it was an opportunity that came up, and I couldn't deny it. It was a great opportunity, and it was meant to be for a week, and I ended up being there for I think six months. So despite it not being part of my field that I wanted to be in, it was part of the industry I wanted to be in. So it was a huge learning curve just seeing what it was like working, I guess, with press. Um, so I did that, which was exciting and, and, and fun and, you know, hard work learning how to do, you know, hard work, but <laughs> filing filing news stories, learning to be organized, you know, working in a team. I think it was my first like real job, so to speak, even though it was an internship and that was straight out of school, actually. Um, and then I went on to Cordwainers and during Cordwainers I worked with, another opportunity came up, where I worked with John Battista Valli, but he was creative director of Ngara at the time. So um, I went to Paris for a month or two and interned there again, knowing I wanted to be a shoe designer, but still seizing the opportunity of working in an amazing fashion house under an amazing person and just learning the process of what it was like to design a collection, I guess, from A to Z, from the sketches to seeing the clothes arrive to the fittings, um, 
to the all night fittings um, and then the show backstage and then finally, you know, starting it again. Um, so whenever I had an opportunity during my Cordwainer's times, mainly pre-shows, I'd go and work under Jamba and then he started his own label, which I, you know, helped out in during fashion weeks again. And then you just see someone an amazing learning to how learn to from. yeah exactly starting their amazing. own brand and you know yeah. learning things such as you know nothing short of perfect is acceptable and you know it's brand building so believe in what you want to you know say and speak as a designer so it was you know good learning curves not necessarily within you know specifically within footwear but you know a learning curve I guess going ahead to build your own brand. So you started your own brand, and I want to talk a little bit about your own design process, because you are so incredibly creative. I marvel at what you create season after season. You're not just repeating the same things or refining the same things or replicating what you've done before. You come up with these incredible things. We've seen some there. What is your design process? It's such a, an, a, a cliched question of where's your inspiration. But, but from inspiration through to the final product, are you sketching? Are you playing with fabric? Are you trying things on? Um, I... For me, the essence of the brand, I always say, comes from my love of the 40s and the 50s. I say the glamour of the 40s, the playfulness of the 50s, and just an era that I love. And I love that on a personal level, so I can't help as a female designer to bring that into my brand. Um, so that's, I guess, the essence of the, of the collections always. But then I travel a lot in my mind, be it to a place, or I guess I have themes. Um, so it starts with a mood and a feeling. Um, for example, if I've had a collection, I had a collection which was called La Vie en Rose, which was inspired by Paris and all things cliché about it. So pink poodles and croissants and perfume the bags. The croissant handbag is <laughs> iconic. You know, iconic. not that I think that everyone in Paris walks around with a pink poodle um, and a, a croissant, but did. you know, it's celebrating a, a culture and seeing it from an outsider's perspective and having fun with it. And at the end of the day, I love to make glamorous pieces but at the same time have fun with it and I guess you know I'm not the first person to do that that harks back from the 40s and 50s themselves I mean you see lots of vintage accessories um, that have a bit of humor and it's that whole um, philosophy of the women wouldn't leave the house without you know her pair of gloves and hat and matching shoes and I love that it was I guess an era rich in accessories so I'm very much inspired by that. Can we talk a little bit quickly about your own style on that note? Because you are you are such a style icon. You have the most incredible clothes. Do you shop solely at vintage shops? Um, do you what do you do? I shop rarely at vintage shops. Actually. Oh really? Um, okay. Unless I'm in America, I like to go to vintage shops. And if I shop at vintage shops, it's for particular pieces. I I wear a uniform. Um, so I like to say that I dress, I guess, in a classical manner, but I'm not shy with my accessories. I love a fabulous pair of shoes, a flamboyant hat. Um, I love gloves for um, for any occasion, except it's very hard to use our iPhone with them. Yeah, um, <laughs> I make you special iPhone gloves one day. Um, so I guess maybe I'm inspired by vintage stores. They're pieces that I love collecting, pieces that might not be wearable. Um, that's another inspiration for me. I'm inspired by objects. I'm a collector of things. So I guess one of my philosophies is to um, design wearable objects. I like to design things that look beautiful on and off the foot. That said, I like them to be able to be walked in also. But, you know, a shoe is an object, as is a bag. And being a collector, I like to be able to, I guess, almost merchandise my pieces in my own dressing room. I love looking at pretty things and sometimes 
things are easy to create into a bag. I mean, I've done a Chinese-inspired collection whereby I made a Chinese lantern into a handbag. So that was kind of a natural, a natural shape that could have easily turned into a handbag and a beautiful piece to carry around in the first place. I do feel that your pieces belong in museums. I don't know, have you ever been approached by any museums yet? Because it's only a matter of time. I've done a couple of museums, not okay. big museums, but okay. all pieces alongside other amazing shoe designers, so yeah, in good okay, company. Good. Quite right, too. Mm -hmm. So um, you've got six, six shops. Mm -hmm. You're still based in London. You still work from London. I still work from You're London. a woman in business, which is, is hugely admirable. Um, what have been some of the biggest challenges for you? Because you've been doing this for how many years now? Seven? Seven. Seven years? Seven, eight. What have been some of the really biggest challenges for you? Uh, not, not necessarily as a woman, but as, uh, in business. Um, I guess it's always a challenge when you're starting something new. Um, as with anyone, you start by yourself with an idea, and then you try to realize that idea. So um, I started off with a friend who helped me, I mean, from my sitting room, I guess, was the office. Um, and that's all it took, I guess, um, an idea and a friend to help me along the way. Um, a friend who conveniently spoke Italian, so I make my shoes in Italy, so that was um, a, helpful, um, a helpful thing she had there with the Italian speaking. And um, you kind of start doing everything yourself. It is a bit of a learning curve, so it is definitely a challenge. And by, my, um, by no means a, you know, um, a production manager or an accountant, but you have to take on those things in the beginning anyway and learn the best you can and do the best you can. And slowly, as your business grows, you hire more people to help you, um, people who are hands-on and can do five different things at the same time, like yourself, and you grow like a team that um, that believes in you and the brand and have fun with it. And then slowly, you know, there reaches a point whereby, you know, there's only so much accounting I can pretend to do and so much production I can handle. And then you hire in, you know, professional people who've had a go at that several <laughs> for several years and can help you take your business to the next level because you can't do everything yourself. So for me, it's about building a good team. And I guess the challenge at first was finding a factory that believes in you and that can make your product, understand your handwriting. Um, because in the beginning, not everyone wants to take you on. You're a new designer, people want quantities. So that was a big challenge also, finding a factory. And why are they out of interest? Why, why is it made in Italy? Is that just for you the most, it's the best quality still? The best quality in the right hand for my product. Um, it's not necessarily the best place in the world for everything, but for me it was. You know, there are other places in the world that make great shoes. But for me and for my quality of product and for a luxury product, Italy definitely had the right hand. And, and with, um, with all your collections, basically you're, there, you're redesigning, you're reinventing, but then you have some regular collections that you keep throughout the season, right? Mm -hmm. And is that, something that you, is that something that works well around the world? You have customers all over the world. Is that you have Russians, Chinese? Is, is everyone wanting the same thing? The kitty slippers, no, for example, people want different such a cult. People want like. different things. Maybe the kitty slippers are an exception. People quite like the kitty flats. I mean, they are cult, cult items <laughs> around the world, aren't they? It's really amazing. It's quite funny because I never knew that it would be a product that I would continue doing. In right. fact, because I made them quite early on. In fact, they're one of the first flats I think I did, so I didn't expect them to be part of my encore collection, as I call it. Um, I mean, it's it's fantastic that people like them. I guess people like cats and all things feline. Um, 
but you know people like different things but there's a core collection that i have that people like it's signature to the brand so people like to kind of mix them in or merchandise them in with the um, ongoing fashion collections so each season i'll design four collections uh, alongside the two encore collections and bridal and now Kids. Do you collaborate with other designers? Did you do something with Victoria Beckham? Or am I wrong? Ages ago, I did um, for her Victoria shirts, did some shoes, but I don't do that anymore. No. I kind of focus on my own, yeah. on my own collections now. Do you think that fashion? Do you think that actual fashion items might be part of the journey for you, or is it just about accessories? For now, well, I've got a wish list of lots of things. I would buy initially it was I would buy the whole wardrobe if it was there. Initially, it was just um, shoes. I started off, but it wasn't to say that I didn't want to do bags. I think for me, it's always been an organic approach with everything I do, um, be it when I open a store to what product I'm going to launch next. For example, handbags. Handbags came in organically. I mean, I designed... The first handbag was a clear Perspex clutch called uh, Pandora. Um, handbag and that was just because a I was doing shoes and I wanted one handbag to go with everything and nothing can't doesn't go with a clear transparent box so it was definitely from a shoe designer perspective and the heels were perspex that season so I was kind of marrying the two so it was kind of organic and then it developed from there and then the novelty pieces came um, I think when I did a collection called flying down to Rio did a fruit shoe which is still one of my favorite today. Um, and it needed a banana bag, I don't know why. And it seemed like other people needed a banana Everyone bag too. Everyone needs a banana bag. Um, so it kind of went like that organically, slowly, slowly. And I think with bags, you can have that bit more fun. They are an object that you're holding. Um, and then you kind of play with objects that you would naturally want to hold, be it a perfume bottle or a Chinese lantern. Um, or a magazine. So it was playing on things like that and, uh, you know, having a bit of humor with it, but at the same time, I like a fine line. I still like it to be a beautiful product. I don't like to necessarily make kitsch things. Um, it's, it's that fine line between kitsch and humor, I guess. And you just designed a shoe for Cinderella. There was a special Cinderella collection. There special, yeah, there was Can a special Can you just take Cinderella. us through that? Because that's a real honor that you've asked. Well, everyone loves Cinderella, right? Yes. Well, that was actually ironically one of my favorite cartoons as a child. Not just saying that. Um, so yeah, there's Cinderella glass slipper, which is kind of a, a hard thing to do, especially if you've been thinking about it a long time um, all your life. How would a modern day Cinderella shoe look like? And for me, I had to put my platform on because I am a platform. Um, kind of girl and it was the perspex so for me it had to be clear it wasn't just about making it crystals it had to be a clear shoe um, it's for sale it's for sale it's for sale it, yeah it's but for it sale. was done in celebration of the Kenneth it Branagh Cinderella film yes right? in the new film and okay. it's for sale also alongside a pumpkin okay, bag should anyone wish to carry <gasps> a pumpkin around pumpkin bag and yes. a timepiece clock bag which yes. is almost about to strike midnight but you okay, can turn so the dial so you can oh really? go back in time so it's never midnight so clever mm -hmm. so clever so that so Kenneth Branagh so the film came to I think seven of you I think it was 11 of us, designers, yeah, 11, 11 shoe designers or 12, I think one for each. Okay, on and the then that is in production for the public, that's amazing. Yeah, mine are anyway, Great. in my stores, yeah. Okay, congratulations. Thank you. Um, I want to talk a little bit about technology and your Instagram, because I'm absolutely in awe of your Instagram following and care and love, and I wanted to ask, as a designer now in fashion, mm -hmm. how important is social media, how helpful is it? Because we never used to have this before, and is it does it reach your customers as much as it does press? How does it work for you as a marketing tool? 
because you're me, really good at it. For me, I love I'm an, I've, I love imagery. So I, I tried Twitter, um, but the and but when I actually was on Twitter, I used to post photographs and maybe write about the photographs. So when Instagram came along, it was perfect for me because for me, a picture definitely does say a thousand words, and I'm not one for writing many things. So it's you know sharing. I guess inspiration, product, um, product not just still life imagery in different scenarios, in tongue in cheek um, scenarios or news of opening new stores, people wearing the shoes, um, things that I love, not just my own things, um, maybe clothing that I love, other designers or friends that I support. I guess it's an insight into a world, not necessarily my everyday world or a world that I dream about maybe is more realistic because you know um, I'm not like tottering around in high heels everywhere going to I can't imagine you in your slippers and your track pants in 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 the real world but I I imagine you're always looking I I definitely don't wear jeans in the real world I definitely am a firm believer of dressing up for a Monday morning as well as uh, is the same as dressing up for a Saturday night for me I definitely like to make an effort and if I am dressed down, I do like to wear a bit of lipstick because at least it makes me feel like I've made an effort. Quite so, right. yeah. So maybe a makeup range. Maybe a makeup yes. range. Yeah. Um, and technology-wise, are you? How are you digesting your own information, catching up on the news? How do you read magazines today? Sometimes I read them on my iPad. Mm-hmm. I have my own newsstand on my iPad. Um, I have the BBC News app. Um, do games count? As apps. Okay, yeah, you can. Yeah, games are good. <laughs> games are good when you've got three kids because yeah. as much as I try right. to make them read books over computer games, yeah. sometimes, as mothers know, an but iPad or iPhone is good. Do you still flick through books and print magazines and go to museums in order to get inspiration or actually no, a lot come yeah, through no, your No, I do, internet? but definitely a lot through the internet. Um, like I say, I travel a lot in my mind. I design collections inspired by places I've never, ever been to. In fact, most of them have been inspired by places I've never been to. I've never been to the Wild West for my spring summer, never been to Mexico. For my last one, never been. Um, I kind of like that actually, it becomes a bit more romantic. You kind of romanticize a place um, and celebrate a place a bit more. Um, But I do research it, but I'm definitely online a lot. Definitely online a lot um, on my iPhone. Okay, well, we're gonna open up for audience Q&A now because okay. I think there's quite a lot of people and we've got a lot. If I'll, um, do you want to choose or choose it? But if you raise your hand, someone will bring the mic- we'll choose you and then someone will bring you the microphone. And if you can just make sure you speak into the microphone when you ask your question. Um, put your hand up, anyone, uh, we've got a few people. Okay, lady in the, in the front row, okay. if you, you want to choose afterwards after yeah, me. No, Great. Hi, my name is Melanie. I just wanted to ask you, when did you decide to open your first store or did you go into wholesale first and then you I opened went the into, first? I went into wholesale first. That was the approach I decided to take. I had a wish list of all the wholesalers I wanted to be in um, because for me it was about having my product in the right place, um, What would be, who would be the right partner to display my product, to share my product, um, to get the right audience. Um, for the shoes, so it was about having a wish list of a certain amount of retailers and targeting those retailers and if they weren't ready to have me the first season, the second or the third even with some, I would still wait for them. Um, For me it was quality over quantity. Um, So I definitely went through a wholesaler route but then I always dreamt about having my own store or stores and that came about I think a couple of years later when it was opportunistic as well. The right 
property came about. Um, the brand was at the right place. And um, it, was, it was a chance for me to build a world, to showcase my shoes and my bags in the way I wanted to show them. So it was actually one of my most exciting moments in my career, actually, is opening my first store. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we, there was someone here, a lady in the black hat. Please, thanks. Hi, hi, I'm Jess. Um, and I have a luxury hat brand, which I am trying to launch at the moment. What's it called? Jess Collett Millinery. Jess Collett Millinery. Oh no, Milliner. Sorry, Milliner. Jess Collett <laughs> Milliner. Welcome, hi. <laughs> Thanks. And uh, doing the wholesale thing, I find I've always wanted to use the best, um, you know, quality everything, but I'm always trying to have to come down on price. And I don't want to, but I, I can see in your things that you never... You, nev you never really scrimp on that, do you? You never kind of... Well, I, well I, I couldn't really because that's how much the shoes cost to make and I think it was just standing true to what you believed and what you felt and at the end of the day, you can't end up giving things away for free because then you can't build a business out of it. So I think, you know, in the beginning, it's very hard to, to come out as a new designer, especially if you do have a quality product, um, to say that maybe you are new, um, maybe your prices are on par with some of the greatest shoe designers out there at the moment um, that have been there for a while. Um, so for me, it was just fighting my corner, saying they are still beautifully handmade in Italy. Um, they cost a certain amount to make, and they cost that much to buy. And I think it's just standing true to what you believe. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's compromise as well, up to a certain extent. And, you know, it all stems down to... Um, with me anyway, trying to fight for prices with the factory um, as well. So, I mean, there's that whole chain, as you know. Um, but I didn't want to ever jeopardize my business for the sake of, um, of just putting them somewhere. It was about building a business from the start. So I had to, you know, if you believe in that, then I think the message gets across eventually. Well, I admire your brand. It's amazing. Thank so you. So I just, great to hear that. Thank you. Thank you. Who was your first customer? Do you remember? My first customer? Yeah. Who, who actually bought your first pair of shoes? First pair? Your mum, Well, when, I opened, my shoe, yeah, when mom. I opened my shop, I was with my husband and my mum, and I think I my husband was going <laughs> to try and buy something. I think at the time I was selling... Um, I think I had a headscarf, headscarves in there, and I still make headscarves, um, whether it's for myself or for um, to show in the showroom. Um, or for my shop, so I think my my husband bought a pocket handkerchief, um, but I think my mum kind of wanted to get in there first, so she bought the first pair. She's of course it was my mum. Bless mum. Bless. <laughs> okay, we have time for more, a few more questions. Gentlemen at the back. Hello. Hi. Uh, if I ask you to choose one, uh, which actress from the 40s or 50s would you like to have uh, worn your shoes? Okay, I thought you were going to ask a hard question: is what is if I had to choose one pair of shoes? That's an easy question. Um, Rita Hayworth is one of my favorite actresses from the 40s. Um, definitely, I would have loved to have seen her dance in my shoes. I think I've said that a couple of times, but definitely Rita Hayworth. Thanks a lot. Thank and you. Do, you, do you go to the movies a lot now? What, what inspires you in the cinema at the moment? Apart from Cinderella, of course. Apart, I haven't seen that yet. No, I'm waiting yeah. to see that. Um, I like old movies still, so I don't really go to the movies as much as I would like to. The last thing I went to see was actually Psycho, um, last week. Um, okay, so not Cinderella then. Not Cinderella. <laughs> it was Psycho, but it was um, it was shown with a live um, orchestra. 
with the score being played live. So that was pretty amazing. And again, I'm a big Hitchcock fan. So I do love um, watching old movies. I can watch you know, my favorites over and over again. Um, I've got a large DVD collection. Um, I am building my collection up on Apple TV, but there are certain movies that I, you know, that probably don't exist yet on Apple TV. And I love having, I sometimes like having things in, in hand, so to speak. So I collect beautiful box sets of movies and watch them over and over again. Okay, well we're looking forward to the carving knife handbag that's <laughs> coming up. Um, there was someone else with their hand up. Um, yes, lady here. Thank you. Um, hi, how do you balance your time between being a mother, a wife, and your career? Um, well, I'm in a very fortunate position where I have my own business, so I can dictate certain things such as having my office next to my home. That helps a lot because at the end of the day, I've always wanted to be a mother of a large family and have a business, so for me it was not one or the other, so I kind of made it work that way. Um, every day feels different. Sometimes you feel like you can do it, and it's amazing. I can be in two places at once. Sometimes, you know, admittedly, it's it can feel tough. You feel like you have to be in a meeting at one point, or, you, you know, and I'd rather be taking my one-year-old to monkey music. But you kind of make it work. I kind of make my network work with my schools being near my office, which is next to my home, and I kind of am forever going in circles and, you know, trying to, you know, pick up babies from school and then I just bring them to the office. So that's another fortunate position that I'm in. I've got, you know, very keen grandmothers. So I, I, I'm very lucky to be able to do it that way, but I think it's um, about balance and prioritizing. You know, at the end of the day, sometimes you feel guilty, but you shouldn't always feel guilty. Sometimes you're guilty if you're at work because you think you should be with your kids. Sometimes you're guilty when you're at home because you feel like you should be at work. But I think you it's prioritizing, being organized, I guess. I think now, you know, planning, um, I started my business when I had my first, when I was pregnant with my first baby. So I kind of had both babies at the same time, so to speak. So it wasn't about going into something with kids or the other way around. So I kind of did them both at the same time and learned how to juggle you, it. You, have, you, have you become better at delegating? Because obviously there's yes. a lot to juggle. So you pass. I've been better at delegating. And I think with three, I've been better at delegating. You have to, you have to plan with three. Um, it's not just so, um, you know, baby on your shoulder um, into a meeting. Sometimes the baby doesn't want to be in that meeting and they make that very clear. But yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, being organized, I think, trying to be organized. Um, okay, I'm looking at my watch. I think we've got time for a couple more questions. Um, there's just a lady, there? lady just at the back in the blue shirt. Thank you so much for taking out time to ask, to inspire us. I just wanted to ask, um, you know, it's been a long time for you to kind of build your brand. You've dedicated a lot of time and your craftsmanship. Would you ever consider collaborating with young designers or maybe, you know? Um, I still consider myself a bit of a young designer myself. So I have a wish list of people that I would love to collaborate with. Um, and I have collaborated with. So I understand when people want to collaborate and I definitely am a team player. There's sometimes when I have collaborated in the past, it's all about um, both people's ideas. And I love that because you end up creating sometimes things that you would never have otherwise created yourself. So it's always good to have, um, 
to have other people in the mix. I have a young team actually in my office, so I feel like it's definitely already collaborating with young people. Some of most of my design team anyway have, you know, it's their first job, they're fresh out of college. Um, and I like that. Um, a lot of the people that I hire, um, especially my design team, started off as interns and have become part of the team. Most of them actually have been like that. So I definitely do like um, collaborating with younger people, so to speak. Have you had a lot of support from the British Fashion Council as a British brand, or did you kind of go separately from them? I kind of went separately. Right. Generally, I kind of did things organically in my own way. I did actually show my first collection, though, as a new gen um, person with the British Fashion Council um, for the first season, but then kind of went off on my own direction and did things by myself. Which I think is myself. really refreshing. Um, I think it's proof that it's it's... You can do it on your own. I think, well, I enjoy, at the end of the day, I enjoy doing what I do. In fact, I love doing what I do. Um, it's one of those things that people have said before, for me, it's not work. It's a love of something that I've always wanted to do. Um, and what I've actually loved doing is, I've loved doing this journey by myself almost, while well, starting my own brand, building my own team. And it's been kind of an adventure with a group of people who've been accumulating, who are still with me today, actually, in my team. Um, and that's been that's been half the fun of that actually, and I've enjoyed doing it, and I hope to continue enjoy doing it. In fact, you know that's that's half of the reason why I do it. You know, there are fun times, there are hard times, but um, it's with my with my team. I enjoy doing it. Thank you for that question. Okay, we have time for one more lady here, and then we're going to have to we could chat all day. We have we have what time for one more? Thank you. Hi, Kenwara. Hi. 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 I recognize lovely princess from New York. Came to my some talks in New York. Hi, in London. Um, hi. Um, I actually went to your store earlier and okay. looked at for your bridal collection. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. Did you design your bridal shoes or with the collection that you have right now? Is something that you wished you wore when you got married? I started my bridal collection after I got married. Because um, I just felt like that just made more sense. Um, just like I started my children's line after I had kids. I just felt like it felt a bit more real and organic. Um, so the bridal collection I have um, consists of, the main ones anyway, consists of my own wedding shoes, um, other people's wedding shoes, friends that I've designed shoes for before I designed a bridal collection. So a lot of them are named after brides. Um, that I was commissioned to make the shoes for or gave as gifts to best friends. Um, so it's accumulation of classic shoes, I guess, in more bridal colors or non-traditional bridal colors because you would have seen there's quite a bit of leopard print, um, quite a few red shoes. That also comes from my philosophy that not everyone wants to get married in white satin peep toes. Um, that said, I believe that there are reasons and people who want to um, get married in white satin shoes also. So it's a mix of non-traditional um, shoes, fun shoes. Sometimes it is just about the shoes. And for me, as a bride, it wasn't just about the dress. And I wore a massive dress where you couldn't see the shoes, but I knew what shoes I was wearing. It's like with lingerie, it, there's such a big deal made with your wedding trousseau when you get married, but shoes sometimes felt like an afterthought in the market, so I definitely thought there was space to launch a bridal collection. Um, so it's a mixture, it's a mixture of classic designs in bridal colors and definitely ones from brides that have asked me to make shoes. And actually the majority of brides I've made shoes for originally 
were in leopard prints and in reds. So I know that there's definitely, and that secured the fact in my head that there were definitely brides who didn't want to just get married in white shoes. So. Okay. Okay, thank you. Um, we're going to have to, yeah, I'm being, yeah, we're going to have to wrap up. Um, we're actually going to leave you with a really beautiful film that, uh, called Made in Italy. Do you want to yeah. just say a little bit about this film before we okay. leave the stage? It's a, it's a really short film called Made in Italy. It's um, the journey of one shoe being made called Paloma, one of my favourite shoes, a red fan shoe. She's now made in several different colours. Um, and it's just the journey, and she takes, I think... The whole process to make the shoe is 19 hours. That includes sitting, setting it in the last, but it's a beautiful movie and you get to see some of the characters who literally touch and make the shoes. I will just say, it's such a beautiful film. I, I work with many brands and not many of them produce these beautiful story films like you do. It's quite there's a fun film also. It's there's a skill to actually creating something that's interesting, not only for the staff, yeah. but for everybody else. It's beautiful. Anyway, I'm going to wrap up there. We're going to leave you with the film. I just want to say a huge, huge thank you. You're absolutely amazing. Your things will be in museums in the future. I'm sure of it. Thank you so, so much. Thank you.